Welcome to the CRISPR revolution. This is CRISPR Cuts, a podcast dedicated to the world of genome engineering. Take a break and join us as we guide conversations with an expert CRISPR cast about this cutting edge science. Welcome to CRISPR Cuts. Our guest today is Kiana Aaron. She has recently published a paper about CRISPR chip, and this is a new biosensor which combines CRISPR and electronics. So we'll find out more about that when we chat with Kiana today. Hi, Kiana. Hi, thanks for inviting me. We are really glad to have you here. Kiana, before we get into your latest research, which I must say is super exciting, let's start with what your current role and educational background is. Sure. I am currently an assistant professor of biomedical and medical engineering at the Graduate Institute at Claremont Colleges and also a visiting assistant professor at University of California, Berkeley. I am also a co-founder of NanoSense, where we're focusing on developing digital platforms for diagnostic and quality control applications. I am also a consultant for Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for designing innovative drug delivery and diagnostic platform for third world countries. My educational background, I completed my undergraduate studies at City University of New York in electrical engineering. And during my undergraduate studies, I was also a researcher for NASA and National Oceanic and Atmospheric Science Center, NOAA CREST, for Earth system sciences and remote sensing application. It was during this time that I was also introduced to microfluidics and microfabrication, and I completed an internship at Cornell University Center for Nanoscale and Science Technology. Then I moved on directly to get a PhD in biomedical engineering at Rutgers University in New Jersey, where I obtained my master and my PhD in four years. During this time, I also developed microfluidic platforms for diagnostics application, mainly for monitoring inflammation during open heart surgery. I joined Berkeley Bioengineering Department for a postdoc position, and I developed many biosensors for liver toxicity and glucose monitoring. I also developed an ingestible device called Mucojet, which was later licensed for um, delivery of biologics for IBD and Crohn's disease. During my last year of my postdoc, I was a recipient of NIH postdoc training fellowship for aging research, where I developed biosensors and platforms for aging research and identifying biomarkers for aging. I joined Keck in early 2017. And my lab research now mostly focused on developing digital diagnostic platform for cancer diagnostics, aging, and we're also very focused on aging applications where we're trying to utilize the system and platform that we developed to better understand aging and identify the biomarkers for aging. I see. That is such an interesting transition, though. Like, I myself have worked in a field of biophysics, so I know the thrill of working in interdisciplinary fields, but... Let me ask you, what was your motivation to move from, say, electrical engineering into the biomedical field? What fascinated you? Well, I was always fascinated with biology and physiology, and I took uh, all of the pre-med courses, but I was not fascinated that much with uh, clinical work because I thought I was limited. So my choice to move to biomedical uh, for my PhD was solely based on that because I really wanted to be involved in the science on a daily basis. And I felt like going to clinic may stop me from doing that. So the passion for biology and physiology always stayed with me. And after my PhD, the majority of my project had a clinical application. I see. And I know that your latest project is about CRISPR chip. And before we talk in details about that, could you tell me how you got introduced to CRISPR? 
Well, being in Berkeley, we all had exposure to CRISPR on a daily basis. And basically, Berkeley is the home for Jennifer Doudna and then the Center for Genomics. So we were introduced to Berkeley. We were one of the first people to actually learn about CRISPR and be involved in it and be able to attend talks. And this is how I was introduced to CRISPR. I see. Okay. Let us talk more about CRISPR chip. Now, we have also covered it on our blog. So if listeners who would like to read about this can go to our blog to check about it. But let's discuss a bit more here. One of the things that I really found fascinating about this project is that it's a great combination of two fields. It's a great combination of electronics and CRISPR. Could you tell us a little bit about how this came to be and what exactly CRISPR chip does? Sure. So as I mentioned, my background is electrical engineering. So combining biology and circuits kind of comes to me naturally. I just combine things together. And for me, circuits and electronic is something that I use for many of my systems. And I truly actually believe that with all the advancement in electronic and digital systems, we should really try to use them for application beyond just having another gadget. These systems are very powerful and can be designed to give us very informative answers and a lot of information that we cannot obtain otherwise. More recently, you know, they have been combining nanomaterials such as graphene with electronic. This will enable us to interact actually with nano-sized material like our proteins, our DNA, and many scientists, not only me, have been trying to actually use these systems for diagnostic application for nucleic acid or protein diagnostics. But with this combination of nanomaterial and electronic, we can ultimately design systems that enable us to understand the biology and the biological events that are taking place inside our body because we can interact with nano-sized materials such as proteins and DNA. And the idea of a CRISPR chip, why I combined CRISPR and transistor, also came to me very nationally. And maybe because I'm, I come from an educational background and training where I understand the power of electronic, the power of transistor, and what I can do with them. That could be also the reason that I just thought I'll combine them. But as an engineer, when we look at CRISPR, we are just fascinated by its simplicity and its power. When I started using CRISPR, I was fascinated how fast I learned to use it. And then as an engineer, you would expect that, you know, CRISPR is a fancy word. You would expect that it takes you years to actually learn and understand how to use it. But that was not the case. So we were super fascinated with its simplicity and power. But while everyone at the time was just thinking about the editing and gene editing application and capability of CRISPR, I was really fascinated with its searching capability. When we develop biosensor, for example, for nucleic acid detection, we have to develop a probe that hybridizes with a specific region of our gene. Then we have to amplify it and then amplify that specific region that we're trying to detect. And then we have to optimize our probe, assays, buffer, and we, then we, can, we have to hope and rely on diffusion that that target interacts with our probe. So it's a very complex system design. But CRISPR could do all that. It could unzip the double-stranded DNA without any amplification or cutting the DNA in small pieces. It basically unzip the whole double-stranded DNA and it searches for its target. So now if we could, in my mind, if you could monitor the interaction of CRISPR with its target, then we could actually use it for biosensing application and specifically for nucleic acid testing. And also it was a very versatile system. So you could actually change a guide strand in this CRISPR complex, and then you can detect various different genes or regions in the gene, which was really amazing. So now 
when I thought about this, immediately I thought that I should use this on transistors because first of all, with transistors, you can actually monitor things without attaching label to it. You don't have to attach optical labels to it. These transistors are super sensitive to charged molecules like our DNA. Mm -hmm. And in addition, graphene-based transistors were even more sensitive. So you could actually see events that were not, you cannot see them with common silicon-based transistor systems. So it was really good, you know, the thought of it was exciting because then if we could combine CRISPR and transistor, we could actually just monitor the CRISPR activity. Not only that, as I mentioned, CRISPR is very versatile, so you can actually just change the guide RNA and detect various type of genes and regions in the genes. So you can imagine that we already have the infrastructure to develop transistors, multiplex transistors, thousands, millions of them on a small chip. So we can basically make transistors. Each of them can actually detect a specific region of the chip, a specific region in our genome. And then we can have all this information all gathered from a small chip and can seamlessly see this information in our computers. So this was the power for me. And this was the whole idea behind developing CRISPR chip. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it is super exciting. We are also very excited about it. And especially because, as you mentioned, CRISPR's use in editing and therapeutics has been explored a lot. And everyone thinks about when you think of CRISPR, it's, oh, it's gene editing. It's for gene editing. But then at the same time, as you mentioned, the search function of CRISPR, which makes it very useful for diagnostics, is only recently being explored. So there are a few other researchers who are working on ways to use CRISPR as a diagnostic tool. And this is a great addition to that. And in fact, very fascinating as well, because you mentioned you don't even need to go through a lot of sample prep. You can just use the DNA which you extract from cells directly without amplifying it. So I think that's a very great plus for scientists who wouldn't have to spend a lot of time on it and can use it in diagnostics. And in your paper, you actually also showed like an example of its clinical use, right? So can you explain what gene you actually used in your paper just to show how this CRISPR chip can be used in diagnostics? Yes. So we use the chip for detection of mutation in muscular dystrophy disorder. So muscular dystrophy is a disorder that happens because we have some mutation in our dystrophin gene. So basically this is a protein, the dystrophin protein, if it's not functional, then you get muscle fatigue and this can be advanced really quickly, especially in boys and can be fatal. So we showed that we can actually detect muscular dystrophy with our chips without any amplification. I have to add that we totally understand that for some applications, you still need amplification and we need to test our system to make sure that we have the sensitivity to test those as well. But for many applications, such as inherited disease diagnostics, you don't need amplification. You have enough genomic material that you can actually do this really fast on our chip. So we detected mutation that indicated that the specific genes have mutation in the dystrophin regions. And the great thing that we also showed that we have multiplexing capability because we showed that, you know, you can have one transistor that is targeting a specific region in the dystrophin gene, the other transistor that is targeting a different region in the gene. So now if you can envision a multiplex system and you exactly know, let's say transistor one to a hundred or each of them are detecting a specific region in the gene, you exactly know which region of the gene is mutated. So for people who are developing therapeutic application, they can actually look at that and then exactly know where they have to edit to fix this problem. So it'll actually help them in that aspect as well. I see. Okay, that sounds perfect. 
Now, one of the things which I always ask researchers is about the challenges in their project. And this is because when someone reads a great publication, they will assume that, oh, everything went fine. This was pretty easy, but it always feels easy in the end. But the researchers have gone through a lot of effort to get there and waded through a lot of challenges. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, what was your toughest challenge in this project? Sure. As I was super, super excited about this idea and I wanted to do it fast, but one of the main challenges is uh, fabrication of these transistors, fabrication of graphene-based transistors. As an engineer, we had to spend many, many hours designing and fabricating these transistors, and graphene is not an easy material to fabricate. So for me, as a multidisciplinary engineer, I had to understand the engineering part really good. I had to like optimize the system, I had to hire people to optimize the system, to have enough chips to get to a point that we can actually test them. So that was really hard. And then waiting for that was super hard because uh, you know the, the efficiency and the, the amount of chips that we could get were not that much. This was the main challenges that I had. And as a new faculty, I only started in 2017. And it was super hard to put all the resources and staff that I had for one single project. But I was excited and I wanted to do this. But then one thing that really helped us to actually advance in this project faster we accidentally met with a friend, through a friend, with our industrial partner, CardioBio. So I was introduced to them and I realized that they have been working on designing graphene chips for the last seven, eight, seven, eight years. So then I met with them and I realized that they really had a system and a mass fabrication facility to generate good quality graphene. And I talked with the CTO, Dr. Brett Goldsmith, and we brainstormed for hours. And they really liked my ideas and uh, they really liked what I was doing with graphene. And they supported, they supported me throughout this whole process. They provided me with chips and readers and then we had weekly meetings and calls and we went back to them and we asked for some optimization, some parameters to be changed. And because they were also experts, so I didn't have to worry about that part. And I only focused on integrating it with biology. And it was really helping my whole lab to advance in this research. And then we were just could not stop us from envisioning what else we could do with this system, what else we could add, what assay we can develop. And it has been one of the main, the greatest things in my career. Right. That's such a great thing when you come across a collaboration, which, you know, helps you exactly in the way that you wanted. So I actually wanted to talk to you more about that, your collaboration of Nanosense with Cardia. So, of course, you mentioned how it helped you in this current project. And maybe you're not quite ready to talk about all your future projects, but could you allude to what types of things you envision doing together with Cardia in future? Yes, so this collaboration, and I really suggest that to all young scientists and, and academic faculties, collaboration with industry will open a door to a lot of new possibilities. Not only that, it helps us understand what are the market needs. And this is something that I'm actually still learning through this process, and it's been really great. So after I started Nanosense, they were super excited also. They supported me. And then we have the license agreement for nucleic acid detection from Cardia right now, but we're still developing things together. And Nanosense specifically mostly focusing on nucleic acid detection on graphene biosensors. But this partnership has been great because, again, as I mentioned, we are working together to improve the system, to improve the chips, to improve our capturing efficiency for, for many other applications. This is a great technology. We all understand that. But at the same time, we also understand, we don't want to overpromise. We also understand that in order to develop a diagnostic 
system, we are still a few years ahead. We have to rigorously validate the system for multiple different diseases at different concentrations of target material. We want to do that. But before that, we're actually looking to find what are the best applications at this stage of development would be for our systems. And we're trying through partnership with other industry to see if there is anything that they would need and we could do with our chip. And we have shown that with our chip, there are a lot of things you could do beyond diagnostics. For example, guide RNA monitoring, seeing the efficiency, which guide is better for your application, not only with the small pieces of DNA that contains your target, but within the whole genome. And this is really powerful. Then, of course, Cardia has been our main support throughout this whole process. I see. This all sounds really exciting and I'm really hoping that very soon we can have you back on our podcast with new things to talk about and all your great new projects. So this has been great. One last question, which I always end with a fun question. So let me ask you, everyone has dreams when they are a child that I'm going to be a pilot or I'm going to be, you know, XYZ when I grow up. And often they find it funny when they grow up, like, oh, this is what I turned out to be. What was your aspiration as a kid? Did you always want to be a scientist? I was always amazed by science. Science is like candy for me. So I don't even, I wake up every morning and I don't feel like I'm working. And I think this is the main thing that I think about, that science is my life. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't have a feeling that I'm going to work. It's just another exciting day ahead of me with new things. And I'm just taking it a day at a time. And now I'm excited. I don't know what happens within 10 years. And I really hope that this excitement remains with me. But I don't remember what I wanted during my childhood. And um, it's a great question. Maybe I should think about it. But I know (laughs) what I want now. I really want to advance this science. My whole goal is to bring this advancement to a commercial application. Because I really want to come to work knowing that if I don't go to work one day, it's going to affect someone. Right. So you want to have an impact and I want to leave this work knowing that I had an impact. This is my whole goal. That's great. I mean, your passion is evident from the way you talk about science, from your projects clearly. So, yeah, if you wake up with the feeling that you're not going for a job, I think you can't ask for more than that. That's perfect. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kiana. This has been a great and very informative episode. I'm sure our listeners will love this. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts. I invite you to check out the Synthigo blog, The Bench, for more great CRISPR content. Please send us any feedback you have by contacting us on Twitter. And if you want to join in as a guest on our podcast, email us at crispercuts at synthigo.com. CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo. Produced by Kevin, Minu, and me, Bobby. Additional production by Resonate Recordings. Our cover art is by Jeff Merrick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.